we're connecting. There, we're connected. Here comes your music. Got a bell in there. Men's were good timing. The bell, the bell hit right at the right time. Hey, good morning. It's uh, Tuesday, and we got a bell ringer with us somewhere. It's Tuesday and thirteenth uh, of July, seven thirteen twenty one, and of course it's the thirteenth day into the second half of uh, twenty one. Going to be an eventful second half of twenty one. Ride it on a rock and bury it somewhere check it out in 22 you'll find out you're right uh roger sales here with you at the uh, radio ranch we're in a little bit better control than we were yesterday it seems that's always refreshing um i just don't like those days like yesterday man it's just terrible but uh thank you uh, bill gates and what you've created the monster you've created as Tucker Carlson says, the guy that wrote second second class business software. <laughs> uh, so yeah, here we go, and uh, we got a lot of things to talk about today, no doubt. A lot of things happening. Of course, uh, we're on the Eurofolk Radio server and network, and happy to be there with Paul and Eli and company. And uh, we have our own little political bend here for two hours during the week, and. Uh, want to thank all of you that come in here and listen live of course and the ones that participate with us and the ones that are out there listening either live or later on uh, our cast box archive set up over there and uh, let's see where there we go we'll get back to the group here got a nice group on uh, and let's see yesterday i wanted to tell you that uh, so yesterday was just one of those days you know when this cascade of things happens to you that aren't good and, you know, usually I can handle a couple of them. But, boy, when it's about the, you know, third or fourth or fifth one, you just kind of send you over the edge, and that's a little bit of what happened with me yesterday with the aggravation. And it, I think it would have been easier in retrospect after that whole fiasco because I started out by getting on the Jitsi board. And I couldn't get on the Jitsi board because of that password thing. Fortunately, Alan was in there already. We still don't know what happened with all that. But that – I knew we had an update because I had to go in and log in again and do all the password and stuff, which aggravates me because I've never put a password protection on a on a program. I mean, you know, these programs, computers aren't out being lugged around where they get stolen. They're in my house and uh, nobody else here. So it just aggravates me. They force this stuff on you, you know. And uh, so fortunately, I, I, from when I set it up in the States three years ago, I, you know, got the password. So I get in, then you got to set everything up. And the first thing I get is when I go to Jitsi is that uh, you need a password. You need somebody to join, whatever that is. And, uh, you know, we've seen it one time before when Glenn accidentally hit the hit the message there. This is an un unprotected space well we want it unprotected i want anybody to be able to join i don't want people to have to rely on a password glenn sees that freaks out like everybody does with all that all the privacy stuff hits that and throws us into that password routine thing and uh, the residual evidently lingered and we got it again yesterday hadn't had it since glenn's little 
uh, deal. But regardless, we got past it. But that little incident on top of the update led me to believe that they had screwed with Jitsi settings. Then we get into the show, and people are going, well, only hearing one side of it. And I thought, well, there it is. There's the two. And instead of going to the connecting software, which we call BUTT, B-U-T-T, and uh, is usually very reliable, dependable, and stable, when the last time an update screwed with software, it was the BUTT connection. Okay, And so I had previous experience with it, but had not the Jitsi thing screwed up initially to make me think it was Jitsi, I wouldn't have called Paul into it, and I think we could have uh, figured it out. But regardless, it steamrolled, and we got it straight, and I did uh, post the uh, show yesterday, Jeff, at your urgings and uh, your suggestions, an hour and 12 minutes, so we got that much of it up, and there was some pretty good stuff we talked about. I did want to correct something, though, that I was incorrect about, and that was with Bart's machine. And uh, I gave out the he's got two um, he's got two websites, one that goes over the stuff and the other where you take your machine and look at software and download stuff and all that. And that was the one I accidentally because it's the one I've been spending the most time on gave out. Okay, so somebody said, well, there's not a picture. These are our, our, our listener, good listener, Robin. Said, there's not any pictures on there. I want to see it. So I went out and got the. The right one, and I'll give it to those of you who may uh, have seen that, and I'll repost it today. It's called, let me get up here and get it close, Wellness, 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 uh, Wellness. I, I, look, I can't even read it. I'll have, to just, I'll have to just post it at the end of the show description today. So uh, anyway, that's that. It's got pictures of the machine on it if you want to uh, know about it, etc. And then on top of that, last night I invited our friend, uh, used to be a, another host on our fledgling little network, um, Donna Jean, my friend DJ, who's got this other very sophisticated uh, program. And I think DJ's on with us. It shows that she is. She hasn't said anything, but she's working on the side. So I don't know if she's just waiting for a right opportunity when she can come on. And I said, I really would invite you to come on. And you can tell the audience about yours because I was trying to tell them something I really don't know very much about. So uh, hopefully at some point we're going to have Miss Donna Jean come in. It's a very sweet, sweet, sweet lady and uh, give us all the info on what she's doing because that – I think it's called Quantum Technologies or something, and boy, it's impressive, okay? So all these several little, the Healy machine that uh, Harvey's working with, the Bart Flick machine I'm working with, and uh, this stuff that DJ's working with, Quantum Technology, I think, again, I think is the title of it, which I didn't know yesterday. So uh, that's uh, on the healing, and uh, yes, I've, I, I, got a, I had an error message last night. I got past it. I got the sleep stuff loaded. I was trying to. And uh, got a pretty good night's sleep. Um, what happened yesterday is with this machine, he's got 500, 500 plus programs, frequency programs. For I mean everything under the sun that ails you, literally. And with his machine, you don't just run a program. You can go in and structure which ones you want to run and set it up. And, uh, you know, if you want to run that, one for your eyes, and you want to run one for your knees and, uh, you know, whatever else you had, urinary problems or whatever, you can tag all those into one file. And then you can go in and manipulate that file as to how many times you want it to run. 
And so you can custom uh, shake and bake, mix and match what you want. And uh, I had mix and matched one incorrectly on Sunday night. Okay. And without going into a bunch of detail, I just didn't do it right. I didn't do it correctly where there, there was four hours of these programs for my eyes with no sleep in between. And that's when I woke up. So I went back last night and straightened that out and got a pretty good night. So I'm learning. It's interesting. It's going to, uh, I'm sorry I've had, had this thing sitting in a closet for three years and not messed with it and learned how to use it because, boy, it's really versatile and uh, it covers everything under the sun. And uh, and I think it's highly effective. I think frequency is uh, definitely a, a big part of the future in healing. Okay, And uh, so, anyway, that's where that is. I'm in a better mood today. Got a nice night's rest, some, a good bit of sleep and a lot of rest and uh, got all of that stuff from yesterday behind us. So, um one of the most interesting things that I've been doing last night and uh, partially this morning is listening to a, a very good interview with a guy we've talked about before on here. When we first saw his video, well, the first one I've seen of his, I don't know, six weeks or so ago, named Dr. David Martin. Y'all remember that video from David Martin when he was talking about the insurance companies? And how he'd learned how the insurance companies were the really big, big players in the background here, not necessarily the bankers. Do y'all remember that, some of you? <clears throat> I guess that's. I remember a, his name, but not the video. Well, it was a really. Uh, uh, you don't hear very many people come out and talk about the insurance companies, okay? And people don't realize that the concept of insurance, as well as the concept of central banking, both arose in the same city in the same year. Anybody got a guess as to what city that was? Oh, you're a you're a lively, responsive group this morning. I'll give you. Um, well, who, 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 which was the first world power? Where did all the big commerce come out of originally? Rome. No, 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 no. More in the modern area. Rome, I guess, for sure, back in those days. Amsterdam. Okay. The Dutch East India Company. That was the preceder to the British East India Company. Okay. And that is when they were putting the, the Dutch became so powerful. All right. Dutch East Indies, all that kind of stuff. They still have the holdings today. They still exert that power. Um, and what Queen, uh, Queen Beatrice of the Netherlands, isn't she one of the big Bilderberger? things i mean the same thing holland well that's where all the a lot of the jews had gone up to holland when they got kicked out of spain remember some of them went to the new world that's what evidently ferdinand and isabella did and part of their whole deal was to find a way that the jews could get out of there how do you know because christopher columbus sailed on the day that the jews were supposed to be expelled okay and a lot, some of them went to uh, down here in this part of the world. A lot of them ended up in Mexico and the Caribbean and South America. And from what I read years ago, many of them changed their names to flowers, rose and lie, whatever they are. But uh, uh, and a bunch of them went north up to Amsterdam, and so that's where all the merchants went, and that's where they started going out and sending these ships around the world and getting into all this commerce from uh, all the way over on the other side of the. Uh, world in China and, and, and in that part of the world, Malaysia, etc. They were very prolific over there, some of their explorers. Uh, Magellan, wasn't Magellan uh, uh, Dutch? 
I think he was. Um, regardless, they were very active in that part. And here's what happened. Well, when you build one of those big ships and something happens and it gets lost, one guy takes a big hit, right? Big hit. Well, that to, uh, to uh, placate that and put it on the side and spread the risk, they all started coming together, and that was the first insurance companies. They spread the risk out. And that's what insurance does is it spreads out and it makes it you it takes away your personal risk, your personal liability and spreads it into group liability. OK, and I remember uh, George Gordon, the, the late and really, really very good law teacher who's not with us anymore. George Gordon said one time, he said, I hate insurance. I hate liability, limited liability. I want personal responsibility because that's how you learn. Okay, that's how you stay on your toes and make right decisions. If I do this, what am I going to suffer in response if it if it's wrong or I do it bad? Okay, that's personal responsibility. And old George said, "I love personal responsibility and I hate insurance. And if I wrong you and can't make you whole, drill a hole in my ear and I'll be your slave." Okay. So the idea of insurance from that origins and the trade and the British East India Company was one of the first corporations, by the way, also. They all came together and uh, to pool their money and uh, uh, spread the risk. And central banking came out of Amsterdam, same year. All right. They're still tied at the hip. And, uh, you know, listen, I, I was so impressed with that David Martin talk on this that I've saved, I've kept the tab open for a month and a half up there. So I didn't lose it. And I will put the new one, which is up on BitChute today. And I'm going to talk about it in a second. And, uh, let's see, somebody's trying to get me here. And, uh, the old one I'll go dig up. And, uh, who is that? Uh, Glenn. And, uh, put on the cast box listing today to to david martins you can go get the newer one easier it's over on BitChute, and what he's talking about today has anybody seen that yet by the way it showed up eh, kind of late last evening okay nobody's watched it um he's got a company evidently that oversees financial stuff and patent stuff all over the world and he, I'm still not finished watching it. It's very detailed. There's a lot of facts in it. And he goes back and traces all the patents to SARS and COVID. They got patents on this stuff as early as 1999. Fauci and the CDC were working on this right after the turn of the century in 2002 and 2003. And uh, they got them just dead to rights. Okay. I can't quote it all. I can't tell you all of the intricacies of what the patents did, et cetera, et cetera. If you'll have to listen to those yourself, but uh, it's very impressive information. And boy, have they got them. Listen, these guys have been busted just and almost convicted by their own actions. And, uh, hey. 
it, it, it's going to come back on them. There's, there's no question that these guys have already lost. They don't have the muscle and the power to fully take the mask off. And the problem they've got right now, and we'll get to you in a second. I think it was Jeff was trying to say something. The problem they've got now is the problem that Daryl uh, brought to our attention, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago or so, and the fact that they always have had stealth in their favor. They've got you confused. They've got you buffaloed with these word definitions. You don't know what you're doing, how you're reacting. They know exactly what they're doing and what they're planning, and they're using all this stealth, and they're using it in the future. Well, their stealth, is, for many, is gone. For many, it'll never, it'll never change. Unfortunately, they're the ones that are going to go line up to get the jab. But for many, their stealth is gone, and unfortunately for them, their event line and their timeline have merged, and they don't have the uh, luxury of all that stealth and all that. Well, we'll be able to plan and buffalo them. They can't do that anymore. They've had to take the mask off more and more and more as we've gone forward. And like I said yesterday. Our enemies now are like, uh, you know, the classic old joke of uh, uh, the pig at breakfast, you know. Uh, if you have uh, ham and eggs for breakfast, the chicken was involved, but the pig was committed, okay, and they're committed. Well, we're in the dark, and they're in Lucifer's light. They are. And, uh, you know, the uh, let me ask you a question. This came up. I've posed it before. I I'm thought it was very interesting. Hello? Hello. Somebody was trying to say but something. Just me, okay, I was going to speculate that I expect that they also patented the 1918 or 1913 Spanish flu, probably all the well, pig flus and well, everything no. else. Well, they, they, you know what they did with the 18, 1918 Spanish flu? They had some guy go up to northern Alaska around Nome and dig up some graves that had been in permafrost and permanently frozen that were buried and died from that, and they re-exhumed that disease. Okay, you can bet they patented it. All right. Um, so uh, it, it's very interesting. I mean, with, with this stuff, David Martin's got on there. Should we get them into any kind of a court? Boy, you got Rico and everything else. I mean, it just reeks what he's going over. And like I said, I'm not finished watching it yet. But that is worth spending a little time on. These guys are totally exposed and uh, is only going to get more so. They better bring out the heavy hammers. And I don't think they got them, see? Uh, so we'll, we'll see as we go forward. The best advice we can do is to come out of her, come get out of the cities. If you're a little late at this point, we've all been talking about it for all these years and you've had plenty of time to delve into this and make those decisions and get those things done. Hopefully you have, um, hopefully you've got stocked up on food. There's going to be a big food thing coming. They're going to use that. Uh, got got some things of, of value around because they're going to deb they already debauched the monetary supply. It's going to get worse, and they're going to bring everything but the kitchen sink because now they're committed like that pig at breakfast, and they know the consequences of the of them losing. Why? How do they know? Because they've lost eleven hundred times in history. Oh, let's see. Hold on here. Let's see here. Uh, somebody. In a... No, 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 no. Uh, let's see. Sorry, Michael, I'm on the air. We'll have to talk later. Okay, so uh, enough for that. Um, the uh, uh, They're in a very precipitous position, okay? 
and uh, we'll just have to wait and see how it turns out. I hope you've removed yourself from them. You've had the opportunity to do it politically. Whether you've done that or not, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I would urge you to certainly consider it right now. Uh, the, the more of these pieces of paper and the more they know people are aware to their scam, the more it bears on them. Because I promise you they know about this and, and, and they've got some concerns about it. They're their ace in the hole is that they've done such a good job on programming the people that most people can't see it. Okay. But that could change. They start pushing door to door with all this stuff. People's awareness and curiosity and questions get heightened. As I said yesterday, we listening to Alex and Mike Adams and all these people and they're, they're going, well, they're doing this. They're going to do that. They're going to, nobody asks how they're doing it. Do you ever hear anybody ask, well, how are they doing that? They, how can these people come in and do all that? You never hear that question asked, do you? Do you? No, I don't. Maybe you do. If you do, let me know because we'll get with them and say, I can, I can tell you how they're doing it. I can not only tell you how they're doing it, show you how they're doing it and prove it, but I can show you how to remove yourself from it very easily in a way that they can't object to. And won't because it exposes their total 100% fraud. They're slavers. They're history slavers. And this is what totally exposes them, okay? And they don't like it, have you noticed? I mean, 11 years and not one piece of blowback from anybody on this, to my knowledge. That's a pretty pretty uh, uh, good and substantial and solid track record to me. If I was looking at somebody else's work, I go, you've been out there in the public with this for 11 years and people have been doing it and there's never been a case of blowback one, I'd say that's a pretty good track record, Roger. And I'd say, yeah, you're right. So all you're doing is removing yourself from a system that's been around for thousands of years, from the feudal system. You were tricked into it. You're going back and taking, finding the one avenue that they require you to remove yourself from it, and you're exercising that option of your choice. Please don't forget, if they tell you what you are and enforce that, it's tyranny. It's open tyranny. Okay, that's why they do it so surreptitiously under the cover. They got all, they got this, they got this advantage, but they ain't going to tell you about it. You're going to hear Alex Jones and Ron Paul. Hey, can't do this. We're going to pass legislation. That's unconstitutional. It's against my constitutional rights. You know, those ones I get from the 14th Amendment. Well, all those people, I'm sorry, they're just lost. You know, you even hear people like Ron Paul, Barnes, Lynn Wood, Sidney Powell, Michael Flynn, all of them. On your constitutional rights. Unbelievable. That's how ignorant we are. That's how ignorant we are as a whole. Yes. Is that Gary? Yeah. Hey, uh, you're not as clear as yesterday. Gary, you're clipping a little bit. You're not as clear uh, as yesterday. Go ahead. Is this bad? Oh, about 100%. About 100%. Can you hear me? All right. Hey. Thanks. Well, hold on. Now you're garbled. Also, you're gar Joe, Gary, hold on. Uh, you're, you're, Gary, you're garbled again, man. We can't understand you. It's like you got marbles in your mouth. Well, I'm 4,000 feet up in the mountains. Okay. Well, <laughs> talk. To do the best I can. Talk a little. I know that. Talk. I'm just letting you know we want to hear what you got to say. B try and talk a little bit slower. Maybe that'll accentuate it a bit. If you could. 
Gary. Gary. He got bumped off. Did he? Okay, well, he'll call back instead of the, the tenuousness yeah. of the connection. So um, the uh, David Martin was one of the, the main things I had on my plate to talk about because it's what I've been watching last night and this morning. I'm very impressed with that guy. And I've been meaning to go back and watch his thing on the insurance companies because, like I said, you'll, hear, you'll very rarely ever hear people come forward with info on that bunch right there. And according to him and his research, that's the bunch that's running everything, and I don't doubt it one bit. I think they're behind the bankers, okay? Well, they're certainly joined at the hip, all right? I might point out I think the bankers, the bar, and the insurance people are all in cahoots. Well, you know they are. You know they are, Chris. Okay. So, uh, anyway, did anybody else, has anybody else seen anything you wanted to bring forward while we're waiting for Gary to get back? Gary, are you back yet? Okay, guess not. DJ, let me tell you. Okay, hold on, hold on. Now two or three people want to talk at once. Alan, hold on. Who was the first one? Is that Gary? Can you hear me now? We hear you much better now, Chief. All right. Um, How about doing a show on rights, on constitutional versus natural versus duties, you know, R plus D R? We can do that today. We can transition right over into that. I don't have anything else on my plate if you guys don't have anything really important. I mean, it's a it's a great uh, it's just basic information that you can't navigate this minefield without really, in my opinion, having control of that information. So, Gary, another great suggestion. I don't mind doing that. Did were you pleased because you're the one that brought up the suggestion last week to go into the Fourteenth Amendment and the landmines? Did we cover that adequately for you? Oh yeah, I'm happy about that. I mean, it's not that I hadn't heard it before, Roger. It's just that uh, oh, I know. The more you hear it and stuff, the better it gets reinforced. I have no question. You see, what will happen, here's what's going on, is you're getting more educated and aware in the time that passes since the last time you heard it. And when you hear it again, you've got a new perspective on it because you understand more than you did before. And so it throws new lights on something that's extremely simple and very, very basic and really, really, really important is that little formula R plus D equals R. I mean, that formula runs the world. Okay. Yeah, you know where I'm having a little bit of confusion at is what the differentiation between duties and rights. Well, and, and that's you a know, very fine that, line, and I understand that. And right. you see, here's the here's the thing: is I try and get across the rudimentary differences to people because most of the people we're talking to and teaching are totally green, and this is new to them. Okay. Now, one you, thing, Roger, about. One thing about the situation when you talk R plus D equals R that popped into my head is the fact that, okay, Daryl gave an example last week of it's a, it's a parent's duty to educate their children, not the state, which I thought was an excellent example. And it's the truth. Yes. However, to have true liberty or freedom, very few people, in my opinion, can step up to that level of recognition on duties and corresponding rights. The society and culture isn't built that way. It's built for you to turn them over to the state so that they can orient them with propaganda. Right, and that's that's part of the problem I think we're facing. No, it's a huge. It's probably the majority of the problem we're facing is right. these it, young it, people that don't have a friggin' idea, man. Well, if if you are t- a responsible for your duties and your rights, 
most people are lazy. They don't they don't want that responsibility. Of course they don't. Uh, and see, here's the here's the opposite end of what you're talking about. Is Brent comes on here and says they're the same thing. Okay, that rights are duties. Now I don't necessarily disagree with him, but I think that that's such an advanced concept that you got to be somebody like Brent's been through law school and practicing for years, or myself that's been studying this for years, to go in there and discuss it. And I don't like to expose it to new people that way. I don't mind telling them that down the line you can look at it this way, but as you're starting, consider them correlative. Okay, and you'll have a much easier time of it. My deal here is to try and take this complex information, the legal stuff that most people, as I've said before, you know, most people's uh, relatability to law is what they saw on Perry Mason or or uh, one of those legal shows, you know, and you get in here and start having these concepts thrown at you. And it just it's it's baby steps, as, pa, as they say in Spanish, pasos de baby, baby steps. Okay. And uh, you need to take it a little bit, understand it, go to the next one. And, yeah, be happy to uh, talk about that more, Gary, without any problem here hey. today if you want to. Yeah, if, if you really think about hold on, it. Hold on, honey really, badger. i got to get to Alan first. Go ahead, Gary, finish up. Well, if you really think about it, the government doesn't really give us any benefits. I mean, they give us duties that no, they no. label as benefits. No, no, no. no. They, they give you benefits. What about for disability Social Security? Oh, I got hurt over it. Oh, no problem. We're going to give you so many hundred a month. You got a disability. That's a benefit. Now, me getting my Social Security from the money they took out of my earnings when I was younger, a little bit at a time, and give steal 90% and give it back to me, that's not a benefit for me. That is my mind being returned. But if right. I was to go in and say, man, look, I got this eye problem. I can't see very well. Well, no problem, Rod. We'll give you an extra grand a month. That's a benefit. All right. Well, hey, I got to get back to work, okay, so I'll man. just listen. All right. Well, good. Uh, thanks for the uh, thanks for the suggestion, and we'll uh, we'll delve into it unless we get you know pigeonholed off in some other direction. But I'll try. It's a good topic for today. It's a wonderful topic to discuss, and it's super important. Okay, Alan. Well, I think. Go ahead, finish up. Well, I think it 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 would help each one of us to expound upon it. I I agree. You know, I mean, I could go, I'd sit here and go over that stuff every day, but you can't do it every day. You know, but I appreciate you suggesting it. We'll go back and hit it because it's real important, and we got some new listeners. You know, uh, Alan, and then Honey, Alan. What were you going to add, Bud? I was just going to say I had saw that uh, video from David Martin, and it is good. He does list. Uh, numbers on there that you could uh, look the patents up he lists several calls them out by number oh you yeah oh yeah he's got all the documentation you're talking about the new one not the one on insurance right oh no the new one yeah the one you were talking about there was uh him speaking with the doctors in germany or somewhere they had like yeah yeah it's it's good there's a lot of information i listened to that finished listening this morning to it but uh also what i found interesting is i ran across a tidbit that did you know that uh, Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates were roommates at Cornell? <laughs> well, I didn't. But it seems like I'd heard that before, but I didn't know if I had to put too much credence in it because he graduated from Holy Cross, I believe. Fauci did. I think he went on, yeah, but they were supposedly roommates when they were okay. at Cornell. Huh. You I'm... also know that he was the first CEO of Moderna. Oh, Fauci was? Yes. 
He's also and a basketball he, player, the little little short little bastard. Well, he probably took him water, but uh, <laughs> uh, George Soros bought IG Farben and busted it up and created Moderna and put Fauci in as the first CEO. IG Farben, IG Farben. For those you don't know, very interesting topic and subject. Thank you for bringing it up, Alan. IG Farben was the huge German conglomerate during World War II. You know what was next to IG Farben, their main plant, Alan? Not right out, no. Uh, Auschwitz. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> and after the war, they came in, the Allies came in and broke IG Farben up into four companies. One of them is Bayer. One of them is BASF, the people that are the film company out of Europe. And I don't remember the other two, but that that's what happened to IG Farben, and that's where it is today. And that wouldn't surprise me one bit that's associated with all those crooks. I mean, look at what Bayer's done. Bayer bought Monsanto here, absorbed Monsanto a while back because Monsanto's got so much bad plurus from Agent Orange and glyphosate and all the things, GMO seeds, that they needed to get them absorbed into something and change their image a little bit. They're also getting hit with tons of these cancer suits, and it's a about to bankrupt them. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that one of them was IBM. And I wouldn't be surprised if Rancor no, was another. No, neither one of those. Those are both American corporations. These were Europeans they broke them up into, Chris. And I'm sorry I don't remember the other two, but I do know one of them was Bayer and one of them was BASF. Somebody could do a little research and come up with the other ones because they're companies you know, okay, we're familiar with. Uh, honey, what were you going to say a minute ago? Thank you, Alan. That was a good contribution. What were you going to add, Honey? Hey, Roger, uh, real quick, I chatted with uh, Ron Avery last night. Did you? Uh, yeah, he finally actually called me. It uh, it took Spurn. I don't think he remembered me. He's uh, a little up there in age, but uh, real, just a real nice gentleman. Um, I chatted with him a little bit. Uh, Stu, my other buddy, listens in every once in a while. I was really good old friends with him, and that's how I met him. But I, uh, we're going to talk again tonight. Okay. I explained the, you know, a few things. It was kind of interesting. He, he mentioned, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, oh gosh, the lady that you know believes in the UFOs and the Pope uh, stuff. Uh, Anna von Wrights. Yeah, Anna von Wrights, and kind of he. It's interesting to hear his take. You know, he said there's a lot of these people that are real popular. You know, Anna von Wright, she's real popular. She got a huge following. He goes and. And Roger Sells, I've looked, I've looked into his stuff. He's real, he's real big. He's got a huge following. I said, well, no, probably not as big as you think. There's a handful of real loyal, you know, people that are definitely included. A lot of people have read it, but uh, I explained that Anna's, you know, I mentioned those two things about the UFO mothership and the Pope, and he literally, he said, "Are you kidding me?" You know, I said, "Yeah, it's all in her writing, all over the place," but. Uh, I am going to have another conversation with them tonight and, and uh, try to convince him to get us on his well, man, honest I, deal. I said, regardless of, you know, agreeing or, um, you know, I think his take was, well, people are all these people are trying all these different things and, you know, filing all these all this paperwork. And he said, exactly. Why would you file paperwork oh. with a defunct, you know, uh, uh, criminal corporation <laughs> because they're the ones that are in control through the bankruptcy. Exactly. Exactly. He just needs to hear it laid out, you know, methodically. And yeah. I said at best, you know, it would be really great for anybody that's listening. I said, the biggest problem in this, whatever you 
term it the patriot community. I, I really don't like that term. Is uh, everybody wants to do their own thing and you know gain followers or has their you know they're doing this, but I think that's our biggest problem is things are too siloed and uh, I don't know. It's just weird. It's it's people are almost un un uh, or not easy to pass information. Right, that it should be free flowing. We should be the most interested out of any any uh, segment of the population to have an open ear and listen and learn. That's the only way you ever learn anything. But anyways, uh, I'm going to have a talk again with him tonight, and hopefully we'll have something figured out. Um, just tell him, uh, use Daryl's line on him, uh, which I think is extremely powerful, which is a Gordian knot has to be untied the way it was tied. Well, that's a good one. Okay. And that's yeah, what that's we've got. We've figured out how the Gordian knot was tied. Now, you can look at that several ways. You can say we untied it from the front, which, which we did, okay, over <laughs> over 100-plus years. You can also tell him this, the information here is from more than 100 years of three men's lives, and it ain't chopped chicken liver, okay? A guy, yep. he's, he's a Texas guy. I'm sure he'll remember Roger Staubach. Okay, an older guy, yep. and you tell him that the guy that tutored Roger Staubach to the Heisman and to the Dallas Cowboys quarterback position was one of them. Okay, yeah. So we're not talking yeah, about dumb, we're not talking about dummies here. All right, right. And then yeah, what he, we just, he needs to hear you explain how they've hidden the. Uh... The uh, you know the national well, status behind Samoa. You know when you're talking when, you, when you're talking to him tonight, ask him the two questions. Okay. I'm going to ask you two questions. You've been asked your whole entire life. Answer them like you've always answered. Are you a citizen of the United States? Are you a resident? He's going to answer yes, and then tell him what they're really asking him, and ask see if he answers yep. yes again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So we've all got right, some well, real way, real good ways to shortcut all of that confusing stuff that I've had to cut through all these years to try and get to people. And finally, finally, after all these years, we've got a good handle on this and can go to the end game and show them the end game. And that's how you get them into the other. All right, I'll let you know how it goes. All right, well, great. Well, you just tell him if he's apprehensive about getting me on the program, tell him that I'd love to have just a personal conversation with him if he'd like to talk about it one-on-one, -on -one, Brian. Yeah, I think it, that might uh, help. You know, he did He did uh, mention, you know, that he's not that big. His show's not that big. And specifically, he said, you know, I'm not really going in that direction, you know, of, well, freedom? of status all that and well, i just said well you've got to understand why they've done it before you know how can you get how can you achieve freedom if you don't go to the political status i know i know he's he's heavily involved in this republic of texas uh group that's you know mentioned and he and he did say this and i know where most of these people are going to go they're uh kind of like anavon rights and uh and other people that are trying to take back local little groups and i said that's Great. And I honestly, that is, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, that's never going to go anywhere because the big system is way too big. And uh, I'm not being a, I'm not being a Debbie Downer, but we all know how they operate. They'll bust groups up. They'll come and frame you. They'll murder you. They'll do all kinds of things. I said it has to start at the personal level. You, you got to be able to get yourself out of the system as best you can instead of trying to, you know, convince a whole large group of people to start 
you uh, know, you, playing whack-a-mole with this. You, these you, you, you can't go starting all these different things. I mean, evidently, man, at some point it'll work. Like Ron Gibson's with the land thing, okay? Yeah. Who, who would have thought that by getting ownership of your land, you would change your status? Because it's a back way of doing it, okay? Well, that's where he would be really, I mean, that's the, his whole thing is the property taxes. That's what he's fought and sued in San Antonio, Bear County. Well, uh, that's how I came across him. And then he's uh, taking it to the Texas Supreme Court. I don't know all the details of how that all right. worked out. But well, I am probably He's a smart sure. dude. He's a well, very intelligent, like a rocket engineer. Well, look, I'd love to sit down and talk with him and show him because all of y'all will admit what they've done here and how they've taken control is so incredibly subtle that most people can't see it. It's subtle. Okay. And yet what they've done is they've instituted their system where they take control at the start. They take control. The minute you come out of your mama's womb, already they're assigning that political status right after you've taken your first breath and they're filling out that verification of facts that you informed us of Brian, right there's where the deal's done. Okay. And they just ask you all, oh, they condition you throughout your young years and, 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 and psychologically condition you. And then they ask you those questions and you agree with them your whole life. Every one of us has answered yes to those questions up until we've seen this information virtually every time we've ever been asked. I like to ask a questionnaire with uh, honey badger. Cause I think yesterday, if I may, is this Raj? Was, no, it's Dan. Oh, Hey Dan. Sorry. Yeah, yesterday we got out, you started to talk about uh, taking that affidavit and put it in with the uh, the county court or the or the register of deeds or whatever is appropriate oh. to the particular state. Um, and, and that was really the question. Are you filing that with the uh, the clerk court or are you filing it with the whoever makes the tax appraisal? Honey, let, let me let me answer that. OK. Uh, yeah. You're filing it with the property records office in your county, Dan. Now, it depends. There's some flexibility here. And this is what John and Glenn taught us 30 years ago because we didn't know about the affidavit and the Secretary of State connection. Okay, So what John said is if you've lived in a county for a while, you can uh, – file it in that county at the property records office. Or if you uh, haven't been there too long, you can go back to the city of your birth and file it in there. I, I had been in Atlanta a number of years, and I filed it in both Atlanta up in Cobb County and in Panama City and Bay County. Okay. the Why do you think they file it with the property records office? No, no answer. Well, I had no idea. In, okay. In, uh, in Oklahoma, it would be the record of deeds. Okay. So. Whatever, whatever that is. Okay. Well, here's yeah. the, you know, a good salesman always answers a question with a question, right? So my question to you is, where does the IRS file their notice of liens? With the uh, record of deeds. You got it. <laughs> okay. So that's why you want to file it there. All right. Short answer. Um, and what you're doing is several things. You're putting it in the area where you live and you're putting it in a, uh, information format, which is considered public because anybody can walk in there and check through the property records office. They do that when they're tracing deeds on, on real property all the time, don't they? Okay. And so yeah, in, a past, in a past life, I used to file 
what I call memos, memos for the record with the, uh, the, the court clerk. Right. Okay. That's well, he, you, you still involve him here. You can, you don't have to, but what you're doing is you're fulfilling the first half of the absolute total requirement of due process, which is the underpinning of all law. Okay. And due process again, sim- simplified for the beginners like Dan here is just learning notice and the right to be heard. That's due process. I got to have a place I can put it in notice so everybody can see it. And then I got to give anybody that could potentially object a right to be heard. Due process. So that's what you're doing when you're sticking it in the records office of your county. And as I said, that's where the IRS files their notice of liens. Notice it's not a lien. It's only a notice of lien. Just like when you get your car title, it's not a title. It's a certificate of title. Okay. See how they do all these little games? And so after you've got it filed and they're going to charge you. Now, again, that's why I say to make this thing as short as possible on one page, because if you're going to go do this, they'll charge you by the page. Okay. And so then once it's on file, you go and pay the extra fee to the clerk of the court and have him certify that it's on file. When you get the clerk of the court's certification, it is just basically saying, I'm the clerk of the court, and that's on file in the property records office. I saw it. Okay. Hey, Roger. Yes. Just to add, I just stepped out. Sorry, I may have missed it. But uh, make sure just that there's clearly defining it's recorded and not registered you'd never register it you bent you merely record it yeah, and pay that, the recording fee that's all you're doing and you get all the stamps yeah. on there you can go in the back of my book and see you know the one that's uh, printed in the back of from sovereign to surf is uh, the one in florida it's bay county up there in the panhandle and uh, the clerk of the court's name is bruce something and they do the stamping and, you know, all that stuff's right on there. You can go see it. Okay. It's not recorded. Well, you, you're recording your property as you, if you wanted to look at it that way, Brian, because you're going into the property records rolls and telling them I'm not their property anymore. And this is in public notice. What you, you didn't go down, Mr. Sheriff, you didn't go down and check the property records rolls and see that that's filed on there and understand it. Well, shame on you. Okay. Now the other thing you're talking about and Dan, you live down here. Okay. I don't guess you're back with us yet. Right. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm back here. Okay. You're back in Ecuador. Okay. Well, should you want to, thank God. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, should you want to, um, and you were living in the States like Jeff did. I think Jeff has done the most exemplary job of this of anybody to this point that I've seen. And it's relatively new in our understanding. One of the benefits of this forum and these discussions is that we come up with collective solutions. Okay, And this is just something I'd never, I'd always thought, because you sent it to the Secretary of State of the U.S., that you'd take your notice and send it to the Secretary of State of the State, right? Doesn't that follow? Isn't that a sequitur? Yeah. Okay. But it's not right because the secretary of the state, the states are now political subdivisions in bankruptcy of the federal government. So the secretary of the state's main duty is handling businesses that are within the state, incorporating corporations, uh, uh, partnerships, registering all that, getting you the fees that you're supposed to pay every year and all that stuff. That's his main ballywick now. 
So if you were going to put the state on notice, Oklahoma's your your base, right, Dan? Okay. If you were right. going to be living in Oklahoma, what city, by the way? Tulsa. Okay. Tulsa time. Don Williams. Um, well, I Tulsa. I'm a, I'm a 25 miles outside of there. Okay. I still hold property in Pawnee County. So, yeah, yeah well, I'm close. That's still that's still Tulsa time. <laughs> so anyway, if you were living up there on your property and stuff, uh, Chris has uh, got roots in Oklahoma too. Um, what you do is to send notice to the Attorney General of Oklahoma. Okay, now Oklahoma's got a strange situation because half the state's under Indian law now, according to that Supreme Court decision recently a couple years ago. All right. Yeah, I was kind of happy about that. So anyway, uh, what you do in a normal situation is send it to the attorney general. If you're over, is Tulsa an Indian territory? It is, isn't it, in the eastern part? Yes, it is. That's how they overturned that guy's conviction. Okay, well, then send it, send, it to whoever, send it to whoever the attorney general is in Indian country. Okay. Yeah. Now, basically, what's going on there, the Indians have turned sovereign with that decision, haven't they? Yep. They're under their own law. Well, you're you're telling them that you're under your own law. So if you were there, and it just and that's hypothetical, and Oklahoma's an unusual case because of the situation we're talking about. But let's say you're in Texas, like Jeff is. He sent it to the Attorney General of Texas, and he's simply saying, here's a copy of my affidavit. It's on file with the Secretary of State of the United States. It's not been rejected. It's been up there for, well, you know, if you want to put in there six months or however long. And, of course, they know they can't object because it's not their decision. It's yours So if you don't lie, you know. And then you copy your local DA, your local sheriff, and your local chief of police on what you send to the attorney general. And at the top, you put notice to the principal is notice to the agent. Notice to the agent is notice to the principal. Commercial law doctrine. Okay. So every one of them have been noticed. Now, should they mess with you, guess what happens? They lose their immunity from being sued in their personal capacity. Because they've got strict rules they've got to adhere to, and you've told them that you don't belong in this set of rules anymore. And if they come and mess with you, they've stepped outside of their delegated responsibility and duties, and they have lost their shield of immunity, and they're personally liable. And should somebody get the balls and the guts to take them to court, you could take everything they own. Well, I like the sound of that. Okay. It means I might make another trip back to the States just to file it. Okay. So that's uh, you wouldn't have to do that. you probably file it from here. Okay. Um, it brings up uh, another question for you, Roger. You know, I filed that affidavit, and I have never received the return receipt from them. I think you told me before that maybe wait a couple months, then go through the Freedom of Information Act. You could do that. Uh, but, you know, I don't know why. How that, When did you file it? A month ago? Six weeks? Yes, sir. Yeah. Just, it, it just might not have had time. Don't forget you're dealing with the post office. Okay. Uh, yeah. So okay. just be a little bit patient. But the fact is, once you've mailed it, this is just like IRS in reverse. You know, if you've moved 10 times, all the IRS has to do is send a letter to the last address they've got for you, and it's considered received. Well, Roger? Guess, guess what? That works both ways. Yeah, Chris? It is a potentiality for the, I think it was Dan that said he had mailed one to the Secretary of State. 
if he has his receipt for his return receipt requested mailing to the Secretary of State, he could likely take that with the numbers on it back to the post office, and I think they could do a search online and get the proof of delivery that he's looking for, oh, yeah. and that might augment his uh, case. I think that's, that's correct. Right. You could probably go to USPS.com and stick the number of that thing in and get your answer right there, Dan, actually. Yep. That's a really good tip. Thank you. Okay. So that's the reason for the notice. The reason for the notice is you're buttressing your filing and your decision to be separated from these guys, and now you're exercising due process, except now you see the way they've weaponized all these merchant laws against us? Well, now we're taking the common law we've got access to again, and we're weaponizing it by putting them on notice. Well, I'm loving that. Sometimes I feel like a high school student that didn't do their homework. But uh, Well, you know, yeah. I had a guy when, when after the Deanna interview, and a guy wrote me an email. He said, gosh, Roger, thanks for sending me back to law school. <laughs> he said, I've been a patent attorney for 15 years. <laughs> Roger, if I might go back to the beginning of your conversation today when you were talking about Brent's uh, – theory that rights and duties are the same thing, I think it's more clear and readily understood if we consider that no one has a right to do wrong, but everyone has a duty to do right. And this is a pretty simple concept, and this is a concept I've heard Brent himself state well, it's not too common over in the Jewish community, Chris. It's the, the, the net I pick <laughs> that, with you. That's a whole different set of uh, circumstances over there. <laughs> well, you can't say everybody and exclude them. Well, they have a they don't have a, a, a privilege or a right to do wrong. Oh, yes, they although do. Although they've told them that they uh, can, mm. that redemption mm. through sin, from in, sin, 1666, says they can sin as much right. as they want to do no. as much wrong. And get saved. I was thinking about this the other night. It very rarely has come up on this show. I'm going to throw it out. I know some of you are going to be familiar with this, but people like Dan are not. Okay. Dan, have you ever heard of the Cole Nidre oath? No. Okay. There are two high holy days for the Jews, especially the Reformed Jews. I think for the Orthodox also, but especially for Reforms. If you ever drive past a synagogue on either of these days in the fall, you won't be able to find a parking lot for miles. That shows you it's not orthodox because the orthodox can't drive. They, that's why they live close to synagogues and take over neighborhoods. Okay. Uh, it, there's two of considered the high holy days of the Jewish, <laughs> you want to call it a religion, I guess it is, worshiping Satan. Uh, and they're both in the fall. One's called Rosh Hashanah, and the other's called Yom Kippur. Uh, if you'll remember, was it last year, year before last, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died on Rosh Hashanah, I believe. Okay. Uh, one of them is the Jewish New Year, and the other one is called the Day of Atonement. And I always get them confused. I'm not sure which one's which, but those are the two designations. It's not on the Jewish New Year. It's on the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, it's, this is why all the Jews pay the big money to the synagogue so they can get the best seats in the synagogue for these two days. For the whole year, all the rest of it doesn't make any difference. These two days make the big difference. Okay, And um, 
So the Day of Atonement, they get together and they say this Kol Nidre. It's K-O-L, second word, N-I-D-R-E, I believe is the way it's spelled. Kol okay. Nidre Oath. Now, what that is is an oath that they take on that Day of Atonement. And in the old days, up until about Sabbatean Zevi's time, they would say the Kol Nidre, where they are forgiven for any lies and, uh, and, and things that they break, and oaths that they break the past year. So up until Sabbatai Zevi, it was in the past. Oh, I'm saying I'm sorry, I lied to, I cheated, I did whatever. With Sabbatai Zevi in about the 1500s, they flipped it to the following year. So now they get in there every day in the fall and they say an oath that they can lie, steal, and cheat in it with impunity in the coming year. Okay. How convenient. Oh, yeah, it's pretty nice for them. It works out pretty well. And I remember when Charlie Gray, uh, there in Atlanta, I've mentioned Charlie Gray's trial on failure to file a few times, and Charlie did his own court work. I mean, this is federal court, all right, 22nd floor of the Richard B. Russell building, full court in session, all that. He had either two or three federal judges that he got subpoenaed, okay, and got them on the stand, all right? And one of them, probably all of them, were Jews, and I remember I was in there one day, and he's asking one of these Jewish judges, do you go take the Kol Nidre oath? <laughs> I'm not kidding you, okay? But you can go look that up and study it, and that is their justification for what they do. You know, Roger, it's probably worth mentioning that this is an Arthur Kostler, K-O-E-S-T-L-E-R, book, The Thirteenth Tribe, who he and his wife were murdered shortly after for revealing the Col Nidre. Yep. So anyway, we don't talk about that much, but that's real important, and that's one of their big foundations that you go in and all the pomp and circumstance and all the formality, and you go, well, I can lie, cheat, and steal for the next year with absolute total impunity. How about that? Isn't that cool? Boy, I like this religion. And then, because they, now I wonder if you know this, Dan, do you know that they go in and contract with the rabbi of the synagogue and agree to an amount of money they pay him to have those seeds? Did you know that? No, I did not. Okay. There's a court case out of Miami on that that went to the 11th Circuit, okay? So uh, they actually go in and they contract with the rabbi, okay, 50000 No, no, those seats are worth more than fifty. They're at least double or triple that. Okay, so whoever's got the most money in the Jewish community sits in the best seats in the synagogue, especially for the high holy days, right? Right. Okay, what did Jesus say? You always <laughs> want the best seats in the synagogue. That's in the New Testament. So now the ones that are the best at lying, cheating, and stealing have the best seats in the synagogue for the two most important days of the year, and all the other Jews that are sitting in the synagogue go, Edna, Jaime, Jaime, we got to lie and cheat more if we're going to get those seats next year. See how this works? Talk about internal incentive, huh? 
Did you say that Jesus said you're supposed to get the best seats? No, no, no. He said you, I think it says you want the best seats in the synagogue. But he references the fact that, and you can take it back, that this is the way that it used to be back then. They had to contract with the rabbi to get the best seats. Still that way today. All we're dealing with is the modern-day Pharisees, guys. They're doing the same stuff. The, basically the same way, much more sophisticated, a lot more technology, but it's the same bunch. And that's why we call them the Pharisees, because they are the old Pharisees, except they got this modern technology, and they're parasites, and they parasite off everything they can get their greedy little proboscis into. So there's a little insights into the uh, Reform Judy Acts for you, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> Repulsive, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. As they are. I hope yeah. a bunch of you are listening. You're repulsive pieces of garbage, human garbage is what you are. And that's what I'm calling you because I beat your sorry, lying, fraudulent asses. And I'm teaching everybody that will listen how to do it too. And there ain't a damn thing you can do about it. Not one. Except take the mask totally off. And if you do, you lose. Because there's... Hundreds of times more of us than there are you, and you can't deal with us all, and you know it. Got a few people joined the board. DJ, are you able to talk yet, sweetie? I see you're still on there. I guess not. Uh, anybody got anything they wanted to bring up on what we've covered? We've covered some pretty good new ground today. You know, Roger, they were just showing here on uh, InfoWars that down in Cuba, they claim that the protesters were yelling freedom and other so-called right. anti-government slogans. Right, right. I found that rather curious. What did I see? A tweet from the Syrian girl that Jack put up. He said, if you don't know this is the CIA's latest effort, then you, you better get your head out of the hole. Okay. Cutting off their Chinese internet. That'll teach you. So, anybody else got anything to add? I mean, I know I wanted you do. To bring up, uh, Brent. I wanted to bring up about the uh, insurance companies. Yeah, man. Um, those were funded or invested in by super rich families and yeah. what have you. And the shows like, you know, I think Frontline and some other, you know, liberal shows and what have you showed that, oh, these poor investors, you know, they, they took a bath on this incident or that incident because they're personally liable for it. But they didn't bring up what benefits they derived from it. Yeah. And, of course, the Eng the British East India Company was a direct outgrowth out of the Dutch East India Trading Company because mm -hmm. it was those people that sponsored William of Orange to go over and reconquer England and set up the Bank of England. And Lloyd's of London. Yes, of course. Yeah, they're involved. You know, well, what's Lloyd's of London? A, a damn insurance company. Yeah, and it's funded by super rich. And, I'll put. You know, they'll, I'm sorry for stepping insure, on you. You know they'll go and insure things as trivial as a piano, a super pianist fingers. Yep, or uh, Eric Clapton's uh, uh, digits after the COVID shot. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Um, yeah, all tied together, joined at the hip, has been for hundreds of years. And, I mean, I've seen some figures on the – what was the biggest corporation in the history of the planet? was the Dutch East India Company and the British East India Company. And by today's standards, at the time, they were ten times bigger than what we'd consider our biggest corporation today. In comparison, you know, ratio. Amazing, amazing stuff. Well, that's who we're dealing with. And uh, uh, I just, I will, again, I'll put this David Martin talk on the insurance background, the history of the insurance companies on uh, on the uh, cast box uh, uh, list today, along with the newer one on these patents. And, uh, boy, that one on insurance, I mean, there's just a lot of information in there. It's a startlingly good video if you missed it. So what else is going to come up? Are we going to launch into rights and duties? Huh? I guess we're going to launch into rights and duties. Well, I would ask one thing, okay. and that is in the 14th Amendment, it mentions uh, uh, what was it? privileges and immunities. Ah. Are those correlative to rights and duties? Well, kind of, but, you know, you can go over into Title 42 of the United States Code these, this day. Title 42 is the Civil Rights section, mm -hmm. okay? And uh, you can go into, was it 1986, 1981? So one of those sections, Chris, you, okay, well, that's pretty well. 1981 <laughs> to 1983. Okay, well, those two, and it states right there in the United States Code, citizens of the United States are... are uh, uh, something to be uh, have the privileges and um, immunities of the white citizens are entitled to all the privileges and immunities of the white citizens. That says that in the United States Code. That's not Roger saying it. That's the Congress. Okay? It's racist document. It's Morning. racist as hell, man. Well, there it is, right there. All right, and and that was man. That was my real problem when I listened to Thumper there. Any of you listen to Brent's uh, sermons on Sunday? I've been doing that a little bit lately, and when he's finished, he turns it over to this guy that evidently is the one that started Patriot Soapbox, and they call him Thumper, and uh, nice guy, and he's got this legal guy on there last week before last, and he's sitting there, and his whole thing revolves around the 14th Amendment and these privileges and immunities and all. Oh, we got guys going into the state legislature, and they're doing all this and doing all that. It's all based on the 14th Amendment. That's so, why I cornered Brent after the show the other day and just said, please put me in touch with this guy. Because I sat there and listened to this fella, and it just—it was so painful for me. Because you know, I want us to accomplish something here. I'm not doing this for ego. I ain't doing it for money. I'm doing it so we can accomplish something collectively that's important. And as long as we got people that are off chasing this Fourteenth Amendment and all this crap, and they don't understand the difference in what's going on here, all we're doing is chasing our tails. Okay. And why Brent doesn't see this, not you, Brent, not our Brent from Las Vegas, but Brent Winters, Brent has never really been able to see this in the seven or eight years, however long it's been we've had him on the air. Brent's one of those guys that, that doesn't matter, I'm what I say I am. Well, you know, that's right. I don't argue with that. But in this system, you've got to tell them specifically that. You can't stand there on a soapbox and yell it when you've been telling them your whole life that you're one of their con little little uh, 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 servitude guys. Are you a citizen of the United States? Are you a resident? Yep, yep, nope, I'm not one of those. Well, which one is it? 
And why people don't get this, man, is beyond me. I mean, just flat beyond me, okay? Whether Tom Schramm's another, I don't have to tell them anything. Well, I'm sorry, you do, okay? I'm sorry, this is the system they foisted upon us at birth that you've agreed to your whole life every time they ever ask you, and now you're saying you don't agree, but you're not doing it the right way to remove yourself. So which is which? See what I'm saying? And see the frustration? Belligerent claimant? Yeah, you got to be a belligerent claimant, but you got to notify them in one specific way to one specific guy. Why? Because it's the feudal system. Again, if you don't know you're in the feudal system, you'll never do anything but shadow box with it. On this deal, on their, on their program this past Sunday, somebody's on there about some court uh, action they were in. He had a lot of videos and a whole bunch of stuff, and I've forgotten what it was about. He owns a, a media company, and he was saying because he owns a media company, he's a journal. He's entitled all these journalistic uh, privileges, you know, being in a courtroom, doing all this, taking video. And they're arguing with that, and they got a female judge and a female prosecutor, and they're on Zoom doing this, okay? And they got the whole video footage up there, and the judge at one point says, well, I got to figure out what we do because I got to know which rules we follow. Huh? What's she saying? Well, I got to know if we're going to follow the merchant rules or we're going to follow the common law rules. They even discussed it, and Brent didn't say anything about it. I mean, it just blows my mind, okay? But listen, some people see it. Some people don't. I've had to accept that. You know, the old uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right? Well, I can try. I can try and change them, but I got to basically, if I can't, I got to accept it and go on. And that's what I do. I go find somebody else. I go find a Dan. I go find a Gary. I go find a Jeff. I go find a Brent. And, and when they, they want to be educated, I'll sit there and bend over backwards to educate you. Because every time somebody gets up to speed on this, we're stronger. Hey, Rod. Hey, Alan. Uh, back on that rats and duties, I do look at the rat as a duty. It is my duty to know, protect, and defend my rats. No one else can do that for me. That's correct. So I take it as a but you see, look, I'm not saying Brent's wrong. I'm just saying that's a high level of thinking once you've got familiar with the subject matter. For somebody that's new, that's a little, to me, that's over their head. That's throwing them in the deep end of the pool right off the bat. You well, know, it I, is. Brent, go ahead, Alan. Oh. You've you got to know your rap. People have to know and understand that it's their their job, their responsibility to know their rights and to defend them. I Absolutely. mean, it's, it's uh, if they don't understand that part of it, they'll never get any of it. They'll, I mean, they'll stand in line to get the jab, won't they? Yeah, yeah, right. While they're, while they're carrying people dying in conniptions out the other door on a gurney, <laughs> they'll still stand in line. You saw well, that too. <laughs> what I was going to say, Roger, is – you know, in Brent's stead, when you've been boxed in, compartmentalized, having to play in Satan's sandbox in these black-robed priest of ball courts, uh, it is very difficult to break the chains that you've been self-enslaved hey, by operating under their system. I'm not beating Brent up. I'm just using him as an example, okay? 
and I wish that I wish that he'd see it our way because Brent could be such a strong advocate for us and to help spread this. Okay, and get more people and more sharp people and people that are out there sacrificing their time and efforts and energy like these people we're talking about on Thumper's show that are sitting there. They're doing nothing but urinating straight into a north wind. Okay, that's about all they're accomplishing with their efforts, and it just breaks my heart, okay? And it makes well, me think of the opposite. I'll get you in a second, Samuel. The opposite, if we could get all those people on the same page, the kind of force and power we'd have all collectively. Samuel, what were you going to say, bud? It's actually Ryan Rogers. Oh, Ryan, I'm sorry. You sound like Samuel. I, hey, welcome back, a, man. Oh, well, he must, we both, he must have a, an amazing voice. You got that California tone, you know? Uh, <laughs> Well, that's me trying to mask my Ohio draw. I so. see, I see. So I fit in with the other animals out here. Step up. Um, yeah, no, I just, you know, I noticed when I was listening to you uh, or Brent on his Friday, uh, you know, it was like 90 minutes of him just just rattling off his ideals about the Bible, 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 Bible. Like, I was viscerally just ill from the amount of Bible uh, that was inserted into my orifice. And, you know, I feel like he's he wasn't particularly there to listen to this particular, um, you know, to what it is that you're trying to do on this channel. Yeah. Well, listen, it you know, like he marched to the beat of his own drum. He does. And, and he's always done that. And we've been doing those shows for many years. Man. Very, very rarely do we ever miss any. And just like my Ballywick and my emphasis is this, Brent's Ballywick is the Bible and his translations and all that stuff. He does law on the side, but that's his main thrust, and I understand all that. Um, we, You don't know how many years it took us of beating him up collectively on the program here to get him to understand what he does. Chris has been around just about that whole time, and Daryl would be here, and we'd get three or four of us, and we'd gang up on him on the show, you know? And I think I even went to the point of establishing a relationship with his oldest son. So because his oldest son was interested and I educated him in hopes that he could educate his father. Exactly. I mean, and some people like when I talk to my mother about this, there's so because my mom's, you know, uh, very strong Christian and, you know, Anytime a certain belief is challenged, it immediately she just starts talking about the Bible. Like it's like, wait a minute, we're not even talking about that. So sometimes it's hard. People just well, have blinders on. Okay, well, Bible are, book and blinders. all right. I'm gonna give you a tip on talking to your mom if that's her orientation. Take her to Revelation 18 and go over Revelation 18. Okay, that's very powerful. Revelation 18 is pretty well known by all Christians. You know. And uh, you can go right down there, Babylon, O oh Babylon, the great has fallen in an hour, and the merchants of the earth wail, for they can no longer sell their merchandise. And then right after that it says, come out of her, my people. It repeats it. Come out of her. It says it twice. Okay. Shortly after that, there's a couple of verses which I call the remedy verses because there's a remedy written in Revelation. It says, serve her double what she served you. Fill her cup double. Okay. Well, if you're going to fill her cup double, that's a remedy, isn't it? Isn't it? Mm, yes, it is. If, the, if you're going to exercise a remedy, 
doesn't there have to be a remnant to do it? Indeed. Okay. Now you go on down that verse towards the bottom, and there's a list of about 21, 22 things that the merchants can no longer sell because Babylon has fallen, and they're wailing about it, okay? And it says their gold, their silver, their frankincense, their ivory, their this, their that. It's 20, 12, over 20 of them, okay? And the very last entry is bodies and souls of men. They can't buy and sell you if they don't own you, pal. And John on Patmos 2,000 years ago knew it. Didn't know how they were going to do it. That's what we've figured out. But they knew they'd enslaved you and they bought and sold you. It's right there in Revelation. See if that tweaks her a little bit. Ooh. <laughs> I'm afraid to even get back into it with her. Okay. But, but no, I, you know, I, I appreciate you bring that up because I need to review that myself and, and maybe I can, yeah, maybe I can put it together in a way that well, is presentable to her. Well, listen, not only her, but anybody that's spiritually oriented, even Brent, you know, Hey Brent, what Correct. do you think about here at the end of revelation where it says bodies and souls of men, can they buy and sell you if they don't own you? No. Well, how do you think they figured out 2,000 years ago they were going to buy and sell you and own you 2,000 years later? Bizarrely enough, some of the most intelligent people think they know it all, and there's certain pieces of information they don't allow. I know, I know, I know. Well, You're all not, we can so. do is reach the people that are reachable, Ryan, just like you and your bunch out there that got touched, you know? Absolutely. And the deeper yeah, you get I, into I've this. I've been gone for a while because I'm, I'm in the middle of moving, uh, and it's just been, it's a, it's a uh, real rapid. It, it's a nightmare. So. Yeah, I understand. And yeah. your state is in total confusion, too. But hopefully you yes. get that behind you, and, and you guys make a little progress. How's Emma doing? I don't think we've seen her lately. Is she doing all right? She's doing really good. She's She's been pretty busy, um, but she's doing good. Okay. Just, Working with her dad right now. She's got a 96-year-old dad. Yes, yes, I know. Well, tell her we miss her and uh, uh, that uh, hopefully we'll see her again soon. We sure appreciate it. I'm going to see you tomorrow, so I will pass it on for sure. Great. Please do. Um, uh, And we love all the new people coming. There's new folks coming along. Uh, I got another request for the Matrix documents this morning, you know, uh, from somebody that heard the Deanna interview somewhere. And uh, so we're, you know, baby step. Pasos de baby is how they say it in Spanish. Uh, is that Mr. Daryl that's joined us there? Do I see DW down there? Or is my eyes bad? Yeah, good morning. Hey, Daryl. Welcome back, man. Good morning. Yeah, morning. Hey. Buen dia. Yeah, uh, Buen dia, as we say here. Uh, uh, buenas noches. No, that's that's <laughs> night. Call. That's night, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, howdy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I just, uh, I've been out running errands and, uh, I, I just turned this on a little bit ago and I was walking around the shop and I was hearing your conversation and, um, <clears throat> I think it's an important topic, uh, for all of us <clears throat> and that, uh, um, why is that? Why is it so important? Because, uh, it's an example of being compartmentalized and 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 having a an aspect of uh, observing 
an aspect of truth or coming to terms with a contradiction. And um, and this this happens really slowly for it's an individual thing. And it, so that means that everybody's um, how they act upon information is an individual thing. It's not a group thing. It's not a collective. And uh, every individual has reasons why they do want to uh, have actionable information, Roger. And, and there's just as many or more reasons why they want to stay. Somebody wants to remain in their compartment or, or, or their, what's a bit, what's another word for that dogma, um, have, do they want to remain relevant have they spent their whole life going down a path and are so invested in a dogma? Hey, Mike, I'll be off the air in about 45 that minutes or less. I'll call you when I get off. Even the truth, when challenged by the truth, they have to deny it because that would refute, rebut, uh, make them maybe less relevant in their own mind and what they're invested in. These are uh, these are some I, I believe very important reasons why we have incoherency, and uh, <clears throat> so I, I I learned a long time ago, way before I ever came upon any of this information. I was a I was a little boy, teenager anyway, and I I came to the understanding that unless you can admit when you're wrong. You unless somebody can admit when they're wrong, you can't trust them when they're right. That's true. And this is uh, this is also a. Uh, of course, I was I was very young and very small, very inexperienced, immature, and but I I still understood the 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 truth of that, and as I grew older and experienced more with myself and other people, I realized that the, the, uh, the narcissist and the psychopath have particular, and the sociopath have particular problems with, uh, ever admitting they're wrong. They can't be wrong. They just can't yep. because that, utterly shatters their dogma and their their precept of who they are and who they've they've constructed themselves to be yep and uh this this is a worse than death it's very difficult it's, you uh, know uh, i've got a, a my friend down here's oldest daughter is one of these you're talking about and he actually came out the other day and said she gets mad if you prove her wrong now, let me tell you, somebody that's going to go through life like that at 25 years old that thinks they know everything and know how the world works and got a handle on everything to the point when they get mad, when you show them they're incorrect, they got some real hard lessons coming they're going to learn. You know, Daryl, yeah. if we're looking for another word for dogma or locked in a mind, it's a mind of set. In fact, set I, you self-impose your own 
uh, slavery in your own mind because you fail to consider all the facts, and when you confront them, you run around like your hair's on fire like a maniac. Yeah, well, I, uh, <clears throat> you know, th these are these are real things that we're talking about, uh, but to many people, they seem very abstract. Uh, let me give you an example of what I learned um, in, in, in real life. It's a real thing. And uh, it, I, this might surprise somebody, but uh, it, it's about airplanes uh, and being in that environment. No, okay. no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and uh, lest I have to remind anybody, operating in aviation or the water, either one of those two, are unlike almost anything else you ever can experience on, on land. Correct. And, and so if you, if you don't have a frame of reference of being uh, nautical or aviation experienced, you sort of just have to take my word for this. Uh, regrettably, you have to take my word on that. But I learned early on that I had to be accountable and I had to make judgments and there were consequences. And, and every time that my ego or my personality got in the way of observing truth, and proceeding from that perspective, I suffered. <clears throat> now, this is particularly acute and unique in on the water and in the air, because both of those environments will not suffer your incompetence. They do not suffer fools. Of course, both of these environments are consistent with the laws of nature, and there's nothing man-made about it. These are the laws of nature, and you either work within the honesty and the truth of their, the truth of their uh, sovereignty, or or you die. And so I had to learn that there's nothing political about the water or the air. There's nothing political in it. There is no uh, way to defer. Hmm? You cannot appeal. Um, and so what you learn to do, this is really important. Okay, I'll get to the point here. The point is, is that if you say you are about safety and truth and you're in the, on the water or in the air, you have to do right, not be right. You have to overcome you being right and then just do right. And being right and doing right are not the same thing. Every once in a while, they line up with each other. Mm -hmm. But the, the character and nature of man is that first he wants to be right.
and and then he wants that uh, that fulfills him in some way, men, different men different ways, uh, prestige or bravado or uh, omnipotence or whatever whatever that character flaw might be ego, but uh, yeah, um, impressing others appearance persona personality. Uh, grandiose self-expectations of oneself, uh, so on and so forth. Or maybe you're just being stupid. But uh, here again, aviation and the water have no countenance in that. There is no forbearance. And uh, what what is... Uh, and there's no protection from yourself there. You can't protect yourself from yourself up there you can't find excuses so what I've tried attempted to do is take a lifetime and a career of, of that experience and try to apply its its tenets to uh, my earthly existence and I've met much resistance with um, with that, I people uh, who live in that environment have learned and been coddled by excuses, procrastination, deferment, and fallacious reasoning, and dogmas. Where there, they can have their opinion. Well, in aviation and in the water. You can have your opinion, but you can also pay the ultimate consequence. And it's just amazing how clarifying that is to the spirit and the mind and your thinking and reasoning when you don't have that uh, excuse, that buffer, that license. Uh, You have to deal with consequences of your decision for not only you, but everybody else that you're responsible for. Yeah, well, that's that's you know when you're learning to to uh, fly an airplane, um, you and then you start to solo. That you're you're experiencing those consequences. You're learning these lessons for yourself in an individual basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know when you get to the point where Lou was and uh, I retired from. Um, you know, you might be driving around up there holding the hand, holding the lives of, uh, you know, 120 or 200 people at any one moment. In your hands, uh, it's in your an decisions. amazing, it's an amazing responsibility. I mean, it must be really something to shoulder. <clears throat> I've thought about that a number of times over the years, actually. Well, the, the, it, it is you, but you, you you have to be careful not to let it overwhelm you. You know, you can't mm-hmm. be overwhelmed by it. No, no, you can't be so intimidated you, by it. You've so got to shoulder up and belly up to it and right. accept it and perform. And, uh, and it's best done very, very calmly, even particularly when there's dangerous moments or uh, unusual situations, mm-hmm. non-standard procedures, we call them, mm-hmm. non you, that's even more important that you have to remain calm 
and this is where maturity and experience comes in. Did you uh, did you listen? Of fear. Did, did you hear yesterday's show when Lou was talking about some of his experiences with Korean Airlines? I I uh, regrettably I, I didn't hear a word of anything yesterday. Okay. I was sort of consumed with some other activities. Okay. Well, I I used to I do well. Well, just to say this, uh, Roger. Uh, in years gone by, when I was a classroom instructor uh, and facilitator for crew resource uh, procedures, we used Korean Airlines uh, and the Asian carriers as specific examples. Uh, I have a whole syllabus on it for Korean Airlines mm -hmm. as as to why we we have changed our cockpit procedures and our culture for the purposes of real communication. The, the Koreans in particular, and they're the, they're the poster children for this malady of the, uh, the imperial captain, uh, the god, the god captain complex, is that n none of the other flight crew members, co-pilot or a flight engineer, or even particularly flight attendants, could never make a, uh, a criticism or a recommendation to the imperial captain, the god, the demigod captain. Um, and uh, so <clears throat> because that whole culture uh, ties in perfectly with what I was saying earlier, Roger, is that, that the, the imperial Korean captain uh, was there to be right first. Uh-huh. And do right to be second. right, not mm -hmm. do right. Right. Now this is this is uh, another example of this. Of course, you can you can you can take shots at the Koreans, which are well deserved. Um, but the the worst aircraft uh, aviation accident in history, resulting in the most uh, fatalities, uh, was Tenerife with KLM and Pan Am, and. Uh, the, the onus for that uh, horrific incident uh, laid upon two people, uh, fundamentally. And uh, foremost in that was the captain of KLM flight, uh, head of their training department, and his, um, his first officer who tried rather weakly to say to the imperial captain, the demigod captain of that flight, that maybe something's very wrong here. And at the end of the day, the first officer knew that he was riding to his destruction and death and sat there and allowed it to happen. <clears throat> so uh, it's... You know, nobody nobody is immune to this, and positions of power uh, degrade uh, an individual's ability uh, to uh, be objective about themselves. I thought it's very interesting what Lou added yesterday, and he he touched on two important areas. One thing: the education mode in that part of the world, and the Asian mode. And how they just teach their ch children to rote memorize stuff where they can just recite it upon command, okay? But they don't teach them to critically think.
And that's why so many of the Asians send their kids to school in the U.S. and Britain and Europe. Okay. That was very interesting to me. Interesting insight. All right. And he took that yeah. idea and then transferred it over to what he was doing was working with the, uh, the aviators at, uh, Korean Airlines. I don't. I don't know what the name of their airline is, uh, but anyway, he said they K-A-L. know KAL. Okay, they know the. Uh, they know those training manuals and the flight manuals and everything backwards and forwards because they memorized them. But when they get caught in a situation where they can't go back and refer to that, that's not in the training manual, they're totally lost. Well, yeah. Uh... It's extremely, extremely good point. He he would know is better than anybody else that you would personally talk to, um, and about that. And uh, uh, if there's ever a straight shooter, it's Lou. Uh, he he doesn't he doesn't fudge things on one side or the other. And uh, so <clears throat> the. Uh, the there's there's sort of a, a problem there and and that might be being heard by the listeners of this conversation and that um i don't i don't think that you acquire um to the degree that you do you might acquire some critical and reasoning skills thinking skills and judgment skills in, in a uh, american institution but not so much anymore at all. So uh, the uh, the uh, the American collegiate university or education system in this country is not a uh, an example of of good thinking or uh, these these values <clears throat> that that you want to have. Uh, in a in a flight crew, so a lot of a lot of uh, people that go into aviation go in through aviation schools specifically, and you will receive a completely different form of education uh, process in an aviation school than you will in a universe aviation university than you would in a liberal arts or Harvard or Yale or uh, any of these other uh, white glove, white shoe boy, girl schools. Uh, it's it's a completely different curriculum and syllabus. And uh, <clears throat> because it requires uh, accountability and judgment. And uh, the, the only reason that this has been allowed to exist, I've thought about this on occasion, but to, for the aviation community, is that these uh, these creeps and scumbags never know when they're going to get on one of our airplanes, and they, they need uh, those people up there to be able to actually do the real thing instead of the, the fallacious and fraudulent and the uh, fictitious uh, – uh, schooling that they receive in all these other uh, disciplines. <clears throat> yeah, when uh, you know, I, for example, you know, I mean, I've I've had these people on my own airplane in my own little two hands. I I flew them around. Uh, Hillary, Obama, uh, McCain, uh, the politicians. I 
I was the I was the captain. Did, did you ever think about and turning kamikaze? No, not <laughs> once. No, Roger, I didn't. Okay, good. Just but see, you see, the difference is. <laughs> so you wouldn't take the one difference, to the team. The huh? No, I, no, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Because if I had, if I had, it, I, I think I can have a bigger, a bigger effect uh, doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, than, I has satisfied my my lust for revenge. <clears throat> so the uh, see the point is here. See even they the they's they recognize that the aviators have to be the real deal. Right. They can't be phonies. They can't be artificially facilitated and subsidized. They can't be. Uh, 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 a veneer they have to be real and so the training the training and uh is is the real thing so we, Darryl, we got the real thing this comes back to what we were talking about last week why are they having the flight crews and the pilots shot up with this damn vaccine mandatorily it just doesn't make sense well it does to me <laughs> okay it does it does to me <clears throat> because um, I I take all that as a another uh, correlation and confirmation as to what I believe the evidence is showing the agenda is the the agenda is to depopulate and uh, and then if you're depopulating that means that you're going to have a reduction in services and a reduction in services mean a reduction in resources it means uh, more artificial um, uh, scarcity and it means it doesn't mean economic and commercial expansion it means contraction and uh, uh, so the the point here that they're 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 saying is that now that the the pilots and this whole industry for the most part is expendable and will result in carbon reductions and resources it's a it's a contraction model that's going to go forward and and this actually is would be a part of it and consistent there's a there's a continuity there uh, with uh, the destruction of the aviation industry and and the aviation industry is made up of uh, you know flight crews and uh, they're not going to be needed. I mean, that's the memo. All right. Um, and so you look at what they invest in and what they're investing in is the destruction of infrastructure and uh, those those uh, uh, systems that support those activities. Well, those are going away. Uh, now, the the personal jets that the that the um, that the they's the they's fly on the charters. Uh, those flight crews those well they're and their personal aircraft right, and right. their fractional jet operators they're not those flight crews aren't taking uh, aren't taking uh, kill shot and murder injections see they have a they have a completely separate system on mm -hmm. the other outside of commercial aviation right. uh, that's just for the cattle yep they have their own elite special corporate and uh um, uh, flight uh, systems 
Captain Cruise, and uh, it's it's private or corporate. So I'll, I'll buttress they what you're saying. Dislike their food. I've got yeah. a friend up in yeah. Virginia whose brother was yeah. a really big executive with a reinsurance company. We we discussed insurance companies earlier in the program. There's a whole group of companies that insure insurance companies, and they're called reinsurance companies. And he was the head guy in North America for one of them. Okay. And whenever he'd fly to Europe, they always put him on special flights. Then they'd have executives from different yeah. companies. They bypassed all the commercial yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, so going forward, every time you see one of these areas in, in business or like we're talking about aviation here, maybe you would look at uh, shipping or transport and you see these contradictions as to why they would do that. If you if you are genuinely confused by the contradictions, then you personally are still vague and not understanding what the agenda is. You're still not getting it. This is why I never get outraged at what they do, because everything that they're doing is consistent with their agenda and their objectives. So. Um, I'm not outraged at it. I'm I'm just trying to figure out how I can subvert it, uh, which is no small task. No, it's not. Uh, uh, so, <clears throat> but uh, you know, I, I have to I have to quote something uh, that I heard Lorraine Day say today on Andrew Carrick and Hitchcock's uh, show. Shout out to Andy. Uh, if you're not listening to his shows, you surely should be. Uh, Lorraine Day Lorraine Day said uh, today, she goes, uh, I may be paraphrasing, she goes, deception is spread by the millions at a time. Truth is learned one at a time. How true. And uh, so um, this is... This is just as it is, you know, whether whether it be your your relationship with God the Father or whether it be your relationship and coherency to uh, uh, this uh, government uh, state system of tyranny. Um, uh, each and every one of us, you know, will have to come to terms with that. Uh, if I may... Individual. Hi, Robert. Robert. I, I know that hey, voice. Hey, hey, hey Robert. Hey. Real quick, Daryl. What, what, what was your name again? Robert. Oh, okay, okay. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> so, uh, back up five minutes, Daryl. Say, who is the group of pilots you say are exempt from the shots who are not taking it? Oh, I I mean, I do I have empirical absolute evidence where I could bring into uh, – a court of law. Oh, wait a minute. There are no such things anyway. But uh, to uh, to provide evidence, uh, this is this is my supposition. Okay, so take it for what it's worth. Uh, okay. That okay. the the fractional jet operators who are flying uh, VIPs okay. and uh, who are flying politicians, the yeah. uh, corporate the corporate uh, operators who have their own flight departments for these. Banks and insurance companies and uh, NGO organizations 
Their, their specific flight crews are not. Uh, I would imagine are even prohibited from participating in any of this. Makes yeah, sense. and see, they're not big corporations, so like American and United, where they would come in and and mandate that. They're the small little charter yeah. charter jet people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I mean, uh, there's a there's a whole other world out here that few people really come uh, really recognize exists. This whole there's a subculture of aviation in what we call VIP transport. And it's uh, there's a lot of it, and it's very expensive. And we have people of extreme wealth and corporations of extreme wealth that are using, uh, you know, uh, transport category aircraft, Boeing's, and we're talking fifty and a hundred million dollar airplanes or more for their corporate executive travel and, sure. and most people out here are not aware of this they don't they don't yeah. get it the g5s uh, the years etc yeah 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 there's there is a listen uh when you spend some time in that world you realize that we we live in a breakaway society that the the movie stars and the rock stars are uh live in poverty compared to what these other people are doing <laughs> and uh uh, so there, there is, there has been a breakaway society, a, 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 a clique of people, um, and, uh, uh, and they have their own communication and transportation system, um, separate of, of the cattle, the cattle cars, United, Delta, uh, all these other carriers Southwest, these are, these are just for moving cows around. <clears throat> so, um, and that, what they're telling you is uh, that that's going away. Mm -hmm. That's going away. Sure would appear that. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it w w listen, when this started uh, 18 months ago, uh, remember, I don't, I don't know if you remember or not, Roger, I came on here and I said, isn't it, isn't it fascinating that all the, uh, all the restrictions and limitations that have been, uh, Placed on uh, the world since uh, the uh, the COVID uh, scandemic have r resulted in the same effects they wanted through um, the uh, uh, Paris Peace Treaty or uh, the Paris Treaty on Carbon Emissions, right? They they've pretty much been able to accomplish by by means of a different method everything that they couldn't. They weren't accomplishing by treaty. And don't forget when Biden was sworn in illegally, that uh, the first thing he did was put us back in the Paris Peace Accord that Trump's taken us out of. Yeah, the yeah, this is this is just uh, sort of I've been in awe of the uh, the the media, left, right, up and down, and uh, the general population is that they actually refer to this clown as a president. <laughs> And they they still haven't come to terms with the fact that there's there is a new world order. It's already here. We're not waiting for it to show up. It's already here. It's already in effect. They have a new government. Um, uh, he's he's illegitimate. Uh, there's been a, a political uh, a real coup d'état has taken place. This has gone on uh, throughout the entire world. Uh, it's already here. Okay, it's already. Uh, they've moved on. 
I'm so, I'm telling you is they have, they have in the open, they have moved on from anything that, uh, 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 has anything to do with nationality, sovereignty, uh, nations, countries. You are in a one world order now. Up okay. to that point, and they were setting up the end game. A year and a half ago, they moved into the end game. Yeah. And so, I mean, I can say this, you know, uh, uh, you can say that, uh, you know, a number of different people can say this. I, I get it. Uh, and I'm basing my my actions on on that reality. But going back to what what uh, Lorraine Day said, it was a brilliant statement. Is that it doesn't matter if I get it. it all you out there are going to have to come to this truth one at a time, yep. not by me telling you. Yep. You're going to have to come to this truth one at a time. All right, and because until you come to that truth, you won't really defend yourself. Okay, you always defer it because you're on the ground. Yep. Hmm? You won't you won't contend with it. And my training from being an aviator makes me contend with it. I actually experience uh, physical distress and mental um, uh, vertigo when I know something and I don't deal with it. It, it actually knocks me off balance, okay, and 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 so, but you know, as long as you think somebody's riding up to rescue this, uh, there's going to be a somebody else is going to do something here for you. You'll keep pushing back that decision, okay, and and you know, kind of going back to what was talked about earlier. If you've invested your whole life in a dogma and you have full command of it of that dogma you're not probably very willing to upset that that dogma to look at the reality of what needs to take place now okay uh you'll go you'll find people all around you that are just going to want to keep doubling down on being right instead of doing right What's that? I want to keep doubling down. What was that old bumper sticker? My dogma ate my karma. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what you're finding now, though, I don't know. Maybe some of you guys are, you guys, a lot of guys here are pretty hip to watching what's going on. Maybe you've noticed some people that are starting to grasp at straws in the Patriot movement, grasping it. I've been seeing that for 30 years. <laughs> well, it's, it's becoming, it's becoming more, more animated there. All their, all their excuses and reasons, reasonings, uh, are slowly disappearing, slipping out through their fingers and, uh, they're running out of excuses and they, you know, they, this is this is the behavior of a of a desperate people. Hey, Daryl. Hey, Daryl. Is that Alan? No, it's Gary. That's Gary. Hey, Gary. Up, hey here, Gary. up here in northern uh, Montana, the big thing right now is the constitutional county. Everybody's oh, looking boy. for a savior in a constitutional county. We'll get them to file thirteen affidavits in a county. 
I'm just yeah, saying that's they, the that's the big straw yeah, they're grasping well, at up well, here now. Well, that's the way the way you they, attack they, that is ask them how are they going to get God given rights if they hadn't changed their status and do something that's this positive. Oh, <laughs> Gary, Roger, they've Gary. I got a question for you. Do they have Peggy Lee Hall up there helping them do that? <laughs> and they're paying. No, her? they had they are got they some other. They got some other guy oh. come up here and give a big seminar Saturday. So, yeah, a lot of and they're paying our, him. Yeah, a lot of our friends. And then we had Sheriff oh, okay. Mack up here. We had Sheriff Mack uh, up here about okay. two weeks ago. And, well, that that pretty well he, covered it. Yeah. Well, hey, Sheriff Mack, I got to tell you, the guy. I don't know who wrote his sales pitch, but they were a master. He hit he hit all the buttons. He hit the race card. He hit the woman card. Uh, yeah. Everything. But of course, at the end yeah. of the speech, the end of the deal, he wanted you to join his uh, yeah. organization, constitutional sheriff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That want, yeah. That want their yeah. constitutional rights. Yeah, <clears throat> that's just like this. It's just like uh, it's just like another uh, <clears throat> another limited hangout to distract you from another uh, to, to bring you down the road. Yeah. Uh, is um, uh, Oath Coopers? Thank you, Chris. You read my mind. Oath Keepers and Stuart Rhodes. Yeah, and the, uh, how come? How come all the people? How come all the people? I, I said this four years ago, Roger. Four years ago, I said, I, I don't, I don't expect anybody here to remember me saying that. But I said four years ago here, I go, how come Stuart Rhodes can hang out with guns in all these places? Uh, he he gets interviews and other people gets arrested. Huh? How is that? How is that? This over and over and over again. It seems so on Revolver.News, Daryl, they point out that Stuart Rhodes is obviously one of those uh, federal deputized FBI undercover operative assets trying to ensnare a bunch of patriots under the guise of his Oath Keeper thing. I was at the foundational meeting with Mr. Rhodes here in Las Vegas many years ago and Richard Mack, curiously. And, you know, at the I got their shirt here and it. It espouses some really endearing qualities that patriots and Americans love. However, later on when I discovered that he was a barred licensed Esquire attorney, I had to start questioning and I let my membership lapse intentionally. Well, you're a smart man, Chris. Listen, we're about to get cut off the server, so you better say it quick. I want to appreciate everybody's contribution today. Gary, we'll get on R plus D tomorrow, okay? That's fine. Hey, uh, when I mentioned the Fourteenth Amendment to Sheriff Mack, he just totally—he uh, knows what it is and he knows what it means because he totally avoided that subject. Yeah, well, we just got knocked off here, the here. server. I, I know Richard Mack. I've had dinner with him several times twenty years ago at the expos. I've tried to get him this information. He's just one of those guys that just doesn't hear it. Oh no, but he did make well, a plea it, for a, help pay for his new house. He just moved it's, into a it's new not, house. 